welcome to the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. Today we have a full recap and review of the Christmas Bash event from Falling Star Wrestling. We had matches, madness and mayhem, along with feel-good moments and our annual awards to boot. I'll be your host for today. If you don't know, my name is Patrick Vincent Crown, a.k.a. PVC. My co-host, friend, podcast associate and tag team partner is here with me today. He's the legendary Jimmy Starr. Live wrestling action is done for 2021, but it's not long until you can get your FSW fix as we will return to the scene of the crime, the Westland Sports and Social Club on Saturday, 8th of January, 2022. All information will be available on our Facebook page. It's at Falling Star Wrestling. Okay, let's jump into today's episode talking about Falling Star Wrestling's Christmas Bash. The Falling Star Wrestling Christmas Bash, December 11th, 2021. It was a cold, wet and wintry night in West Lynn and the Falling Star Wrestlers and fans congregated for the annual Falling Star Wrestling Christmas Bash to witness five matches and an awards ceremony. We were there, Jimmy. And even though the weather outside was frightful, the action in the ring was all so delightful. It was full of action, highlights, laughter, fun, everything you could want in a wrestling show. So we're a few days removed from the show. Shall we uh, reflect on Saturday night's entertainment, Jimmy? Yeah, nice, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, our annual tradition we've been doing, obviously, making a sort of big, fairly big deal out of the Christmas shows for uh, for a little while. And we've got our little traditions with the Christmas rumble and things like that and the awards. And, you know, it's just a sort of, uh, it's a nice sort of standalone show for the Falling Star Wrestling fans just to get together and just see off the year with a, with a bit of a bang. So, yeah, no, I think it'll be cool to have a chat about the show. There's plenty of good things about that show. Lots of uh, lots of highlights and very little lowlights, really. I think the uh, the crowd had a had a good night. A lot, lot of lot of fun was to be had. Yeah, I can't disagree on that one. I had a lot of fun. You know, we got there a little bit earlier. The show opened up a little bit earlier. Opened up the doors at four o'clock. Uh, the show kicked off at five o'clock, which in my mind was something a little bit different because it got to about seven o'clock in the evening. I was like hang on, the show's nearly over and I have this weird disconnect in my mind because we, we used to going on until sort of like half nine, ten o'clock for the shows, but it was nice to to finish a little bit earlier and, you know, afterwards we, we sat around, us and the, the boys and girls from Falling Star Wrestling went in the uh, the back room of the Westland Sports and Social Club, had a few beers, had a few drinks, had a few laughs, had a few uh, chicken wings and a bit of food and stuff and it was just nice to kind of sit down, reflect on the show, you know, without having that sort of, you know, rush of getting the ring down and getting back home, you know, before one o'clock in the morning. It was nice to just kind of relax and, yeah, just unwind for the year and just sort of speak to people after the show. Did you ever have, uh, have fun in the in the, in the pub, Jim? Yeah, man, it was good. It was good just to, you know, just to sit and have a chat and, you know, obviously sort of catch up with people that you, you, you work with all year and, you know, you, you share the ring with and, you know, more often than not sort of beat the shit out of each other sort of for, for a good portion of the year. It's important to have some bonding time. I wish we could do sort of more of it really, but everyone lives in different places. People need to get home, like you say. People have different lives and families to go home to, you know, and work the next day maybe or whatever, whatever the reason may be. We, we very rarely get the chance to work as a group hang out together and have that bit of uh, bonding time. And it's, uh, it's always a laugh. It's always good fun. And it also gives me the opportunity to, to have a drink with people on equal footing. I mean, you know, I think sometimes because whether it's being sort of, you know, one of the bosses or 
coaching a lot of the guys and some people sort of don't really talk to you. They talk to you on a on a sort of friend to friend wavelength. They talk to you more as a sort of, you know, boss sort of colleague type thing. But it isn't not not well, it's not quite like that. It's not quite as officious, you know, it's it's quite a lot looser than that. But there's still that sort of respect that um sometimes just gets in the way of a you know potential friendship or whatever so it's nice to talk to guys and and just find out a little bit more about them especially some of the newer guys that i don't really know that well or you know for example matt the the new photographer to have a little bit of a chat with him and you know just sort of do the rounds and, and talk to people and you know shoot some pool and you know break some bread and have a beer or two it's good to actually get to have a chat to some old friends and some of the new guys. And I know a lot of us are, are friends, of course we are, but, you know, there's there's that sort of, we're wrestling friends, you know, you just don't, don't mix your wrestling friends with your with your real friends for a couple of reasons, really, I suppose. One, that, you know, it's, it's not really that much of an opportunity, and two, even if there is, wrestlers tend to be sort of quite insane. So you don't don't want to really mix them with your with your friends that you maybe went to school with or your chums at work because they're like, you know, who's this fucking lunatic? But as a wrestler obviously you, you know, you sort of understand it and but it's very rare that aside from you know, working together. Yeah, for sure. So we had uh, five matches. We also had our awards ceremony. So um, let's jump into it. Match number one for the Falling Star Wrestling Christmas Bash was the Dark Wolf Matt Walters versus Callie Gray. Now, um, unfortunately, didn't get to watch this whole match, but I watched a few of the highlights uh, of the little MV that Callie did and he put on his Facebook page. And it, though it's really hard to judge the quality of a, of a wrestling match from just seeing, you know, a two-minute kind of snippets of of the match with a bit music in the background what moves i did see were executed great from both sides and obviously it's apparent now that cali is now wrestling as more of kind of a babyface role um, but he still kind of retains his like older moveset he's not dumped all of his old kind of more heelish movies still kind of incorporating them into his into his more sort of babyface role and i'm sure that'll change as he goes forward but he's actually sort of adding in a few higher flying style moves to boot as well i've not really seen or had the chance to watch cali wrestle in this sort of new babyface role within falling star wrestling but it's something that I look forward to in 2022 moving forward. Obviously, Matt clearly likes that opening position of being first, get in there, get the job done, get out there and just hang out in the backs, you know, and be able to kind of use himself as a, that kind of coach role, watch other matches, give feedback and all that kind of sense. And he's perfect for that position. He just goes out there. He knows how to get the crowd going. He knows how to warm them up. He's starting to cut promos a little bit more, which, you know, kind of gets over with the fans. People are starting to recognize that he's going to come out and do the same shtick and over and over again. And that works in, in that kind of heel role. But I'm just always disappointed. He's always out first, which means we can't be out first or, you know, and then we have to sort of miss his matches because we're in the back, you know, getting changed, getting ready, limbering up, you know, going through our whatever we need to do for the match going up so we don't actually fortunately get to get to see those matches. But um I didn't see it. Did you get to see the match, Jim? Um yeah, I saw a good good portion of it. Popping my head out, checking the house, listening to the crowd, seeing how that how they were reacting to the um to the match. Dark Wolf Matt Waters is you're right, he is perfect to have on first. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows how to warm the crowd up. He knows precisely what match to have. Plus, his wrestling is very exciting. And with Cali Gray, you know, we have turned him sort of babyface. But more importantly, you know, we've turned him babyface because the crowd have turned him babyface. You know, we've sort of been pushed into a position where, you know, we could see it coming. 
So let's angle these these matches with Jack that he was having earlier on in the year. Let's angle them out of respect because Cali Gray's too good to be a heel. There's only so long you can dislike someone like Cali Gray because he's that, you know, cool heel who does cool moves. It's difficult to dislike someone like that. His, his run as a heel had a time limit on it. There's nothing to dislike about the man apart from, you know, his attitude and you can change that. And like you said, he hasn't changed his moveset really. He might bung a few more high-flying things in there, take out a few of the cheaty bits. But in general, he can be the same sort of wrestler with the same sort of outfit. But now, you know, he can go out there and just take away a few of a few of the, those heel nuances that he, he might have done in, in the past and just change them for babyface nuances is, is, is probably going to be sort of, you know, 90 to 95% same kind of action that we're going to see from, from him. I don't, I don't think he's the type of wrestler that needs to sit there and totally reinvent himself. Um, the pieces were there, the babyface, the whole babyface thing was there. Um, it was just that he was a bit of a bit of a prick, you know. Um, and then with the matches with Jack and, you know, all of his opponents, Tommy Lawrence and things like that, and Matt and, you know, all that sort of stuff. His matches were just too good to be booed in the end. So what do you do? You turn in baby face, you go with what the crowd want, you sort of set it up. And that's why when we, we did the Lynn Sport match, it was about respect rather than about being a, total heel and total baby face and then when we ended that that match I, I feel that we we did enough there to, to definitely set the seeds for Cali Graz the baby face and then again the crowd do the rest you know it's sort of one of those things where you sort of make them think it's it's their idea um even if you spot it way before they do um you can see the the tires start to turn and there's some people that are just born heels like C.W. Davis, for example, that's a heel. His moveset is, you know, very heel-orientated. His look, the way he acts, his, his verbiage, that's a heel. And if you were going to turn him babyface, you'd have to do a total 360 and, and totally reinvent his character. With Cali Gray, you don't. You just have to you just have to change his attitude a touch. And that's what we did. And um, Dark Wolf as well. You know, he, he's his same sort of same sort of athlete, really. You know, he doesn't have to change a great deal about his moves and the way he, the way he actually wrestles. He just has to change his attitude because you know he's he's a good wrestler. He's in good shape. He's got good physique. He's still fast. He can still really take those quick snap back bumps. The key to an opening match is you need two people who can get the job done, who have got experience. Obviously, Matt's got bucket loads of experience. Cali's got a lot, you know, good bit of experience now with a lot of different promotions. Putting those guys on in a card that really was a little bit thin on the ground. A lot of the talent couldn't be there because they were at maybe other shows or doing other things or Christmas parties, Christmas whatever, injuries and things like that. You need a hell of an opener and... There's no one in the country that say that can, can say that the Dark Wolf, Matt Wars, and Cali Gray isn't going to be a hell of an opener. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the the story, symbol cowboys and Indian stuff, done very well with a modern twist. You know, I suppose that's what I can say. Really, you know, rather than go for it move by move and story by story and whatever, you know, um, it was it was a very basic story. 
but still with a lot of twists and turns and very obvious heel, very obvious baby face and very exciting wrestling. So, yeah, it was cool. Kicking the show off in the right way, fast-paced action, good action, strong style. Uh, Callie Gray picks up the win over Dark Wolf Matt Waters, so Callie Gray's stock is rising within Falling Star Wrestling. You know, he didn't get the job done at uh, Heat Gym. He didn't get the job done at Linsport for the uh, Limitless title, but slowly starting to make his way back up there and, you know, hopefully in the future. I can I can definitely see that, that belt around his waist. But- and there's a it's a good win as well like just going back to it it's a good win you know wrestling's beating someone like Dark Wolf you know with all that experience and all that sort of stuff you know on, on, on paper and you know to the crowd that's a, it's a good win and it got like I said it got really good pop because I, you know again it's just a it's, it's not necessarily a swerve because it's just a match there's no swerve in terms of like you know anyone coming out and, and cheating or it's just, it's just two dudes getting in there and, and duking it out. You know, I would imagine if you'd have asked the crowd beforehand, who's going to win this match between Cali Gray and Dark Wolf? 80% of the people would have said Dark Wolf. But then when it turns to Cali, brings him up. I don't think it does any damage to Dark Wolf at this particular point, you know, in his career, you know, win, lose or draw. People are going to love him or hate him, whichever a, they choose at that particular moment and whatever persona he's doing. He's at the stage of his career now where he can get guys over and it not hurt him. Match number two, we had a Falling Star Wrestling Academy exhibition match, which was uh, Furio, obviously as the more experienced person, going up against Alex Miller. Now, Furio, obviously we know he has been on the shelf for a few weeks. He made his return to the ring from a rib injury, so that's always a pleasure to see people coming back from an injury. We don't like too many people on the shelf all at once. Uh, He went one-on-one with Academy trainee Alex Miller again as we were on after this match I didn't get to see what they did out there I'm assuming Furio as the much more experienced wrestler took the lead dominated the match gave Alex a bit of time to shine when he needed it from what I gather what I heard from the crowd and the promos afterwards and speaking to the guys uh, Furio was about to lay waste to Miller and take advantage of him and take the match too far but luckily in the crowd watching along was Jack Landers he was there to make the save and even though Jack is still on the injured reserve list his presence was enough to make Fury think twice about taking advantage of the young trainee. Jack let Fury know the deal about his broken wrist and how when his arm is fully healed, those two will face off in a Falling Star Wrestling ring. Now, Jimmy, obviously, as the Falling Star Wrestling Academy head coach, you've been taking young Alex Miller under your wing. You obviously taught Furio from day one. You're teaching Alex from day one. Can you sort of talk us through the setup for this match and, and, and if you got to see much of it? Uh, I didn't get to see um, any of this one. This was the one that I I didn't get to see because obviously we were out next so we were putting the the final touches to our match Um, but I think you know Alex has been around for a while now it's just amazing how quick time flies I'm I'm, I'm sure I saw something on Facebook saying it was two years since he competed in his first battle royal or something like that like I didn't think he'd been around for two years man like I just just time just god knows where it goes just goes into the ether and all of a sudden we arrive at a destination. But, um, but yeah, it was his first singles match. He's, he works hard. He turns up to a lot. Furio, you know, is hugely involved with the Fallen Star Wrestling Academy. He, he does a lot of the training. Um, you know, I'd say me and him sort of probably do half and half these days. He's as much a, as an inspiration to the younger trainees coming in as anyone. And again, we're quite thin on the ground 
Rob thinks his ribs are better, but until you truly test it out, you don't really know. We want to get new guys on the shows. We want to get new guys through the academy. And these are still academy shows, even though it's our Christmas bash. You know, we want to put on some good matches and, and have a good night. Uh, we still need to realize what these shows are. And they're a chance for young guys to get in front of people and, and learn. You know, it's a bit of a sort of teacher-student scenario type story with Furio being the obvious heel. I think they gave about sort of eight minutes of just solid wrestling. I mean, the crowd wasn't absolutely ravenous for it, but if someone's having their first singles match, they're not going to be. During your first singles match, you're just concerned about getting through and... I trust Rob wholeheartedly, as I would trust you, as I would trust a you know a few people just to just to get them through and get them through safely. Still give them a little bit so that they get over and get a little bit of a shine and can listen to the crowd, a feel of what it's like for the for the timing of those sorts of things, like for when to get that shine in, when to get that cut off in, when to get you know a little bit of a comeback in, stuff like that. Furio picks up a decisive win. Alex doesn't lose anything by going out there and, and losing to someone like Furio. Um, in fact, he gains quite a lot, the crowd's respect, by going out there and wrestling him in the first place, but also by maybe giving him a little bit of comeuppance somewhere along the line, which I'm sure Furio did. Is it? extremely unselfish as a performer and as a talent so yeah I, I think the match went okay and then to make sure that if the match did it was to end flat which is going to end flatish because you've got your new guy against the big bad heel and the big bad heel wins and you've got the the, the booze and stuff and you know I don't know what Furio was going to do to Alex Miller but it sounded like it was going to be pretty horrific Jack Landers stood all he could stand and he couldn't stand no more. So he came in and um, cut a promo, got on the mic and and basically said that this isn't the way you treat people who are coming up in the business, you know, trying to end someone's career before it even starts. And if you even try it, don't care, broken arm or not, I'll, uh, I'll fuck you up, basically. As in traditional heel fashion, Furio back down. And I think it was a sort of half-decent little segment. It didn't go on forever. It was just what it needed to be. And Furio said to me personally that uh, you know, Alex did very well. Alex seemed extremely chuffed that he'd achieved a bit of a lifelong dream of his. And hopefully he continues to keep coming and keep evolving. And his character will evolve. And, you know, in a couple of years' time, he'll have something he can really sink his teeth into and just keep getting better and better and better. It's like I always said to everyone who goes out there on their first time, this isn't going to be your best match. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's your first match. We spoke about it sort of a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? You know, uh, we did a whole podcast basically on sort of wrestling green guys. And it's there, there's an art to it. It's It's not an easy thing, but if you are... 
you know, experienced enough, if you're clever enough, if you know what you're doing in there, if you've got a solid enough character like Furio is, you know, he's been going in the business for 10 years. He's been with Falling Star Wrestling since day one. He has a solid character. And even if he is still, you know, not quite 100% from that rib injury, whether he's 80, 85, 90%, he can still go in there and cover those little cracks that might be showing. You know, he's not going to go out there and do some crazy bumps, especially if he's wrestling a newer guy. He's going to go out there and keep it super super simple. He's going to get his stuff in. He's going to let Alex get his stuff in. And then they're just going to go and tell the story that they need to tell. And of course, unfortunately for for Alex, the story wasn't really about him. He was just a a kind of a conduit to continue this story that Furio and Jack Landers currently have, where, you know, Furio won a five-way bout at Linsport to become the number one contender for the Limitless Champion. The champion at the time was Jack Landers, but unfortunately, both those guys in that event did get injured, but they're still trying to continue that story. And we did mention last week when we were talking about sort of the road to the Christmas bash, like these shows aren't always necessarily about creating or furthering storylines. Sometimes they're just about going out there and having matches like Callie and Matt. That was just a match that they had to go out there and entertain the people. Whereas this one was a match and it accomplished a few things. Obviously got Alex into the ring to get his first taste of being in there one-on-one with uh, the more experienced Furio. But then for that to then turn into to continuing Jack and Furio's story, you know, you tick that box as well. And that's another little thing that you've accomplished in sort of a three minute little segment that they had with Furio taking advantage of Alex and Jack coming for the save and them just having a little bit of a sort of a verbal sparring match and setting up something further down the line. We didn't have to kind of have a whole segment based around it. We can just kind of sprinkle those little things in there and just continue those stories moving forward. And if you can do that, and still, you know, accomplish all the things you wanted to do, then that's a pretty good segment in my book. Yeah, exactly. And with Fury over the past few months or few shows, whilst his ribs have been in, and, you know, we've added quite a few facets to his character anyway, you know, and that's obviously largely down to Fury, but, you know, the fact that, fact that he talks now you know which is a brand new thing again i'm not entirely sure what he was planning to do but it was obviously something pretty bad so we're introducing a new mean streak to him so since he's been off he's coming back even meaner and he's coming back with an extra tool which is a voice and um, that's a very new thing for furio to explore um, and I think that it could really take his character up to that next level that, that it needs to be. It's cool to have the Silent Hill. There's only so long you can go with that. There's a there's a roof to that, isn't there? There's a cap to it. So much of, of professional wrestling, especially these days, of, with what WWE and AEW put out, you've got to be able to talk and also wrestling's always been based around wrestling you know even even when it was sort of 80 percent wrestling a lot of the guys got over by doing their promos even if it was just with being gene in the back you know like their their promos and their voice sometimes was was their money this just adds such a whole new dynamic to furio as a wrestler and we've done it just in time to sort of start it at the end of this year and then go on to 2022 with his voice and his more aggression and just his relentless feud and hunt with, with Jack Landers. 
but it gives him uh, a whole new skill to try and perfect, which is his promos and his voice and using that in his match and his vocals. Now, next up, we had another promo segment. Former champion Jaden Scar comes out. It's a nice and simple segment. Basically, uh, Jaden was injured at a Swanton Morley show. C.W. Davies took a chair to the knee and basically brutalized Jaden's knee. So he won't be competing for a while, but he still has his sights set on C.W. Davies and the Falling Star Wrestling Championship. But first, he just needs some time to, uh, to recover with that knee. Obviously, we've... We've had Jaden Scar on the podcast before. We've talked about his numerous knee injuries. He's had surgeries. He's had a few kind of complications with his knees and stuff like that. And obviously CW, like a shark smelling blood, honed in on that at Swanton Morley, put his leg between the chair and absolutely stomped the living daylights out of it. And that's obviously taken its toll on Jaden Scar. So he felt he needed to come out and address the Falling Star Wrestling crowd. And that's basically what he did. Um, I only heard it from the back because we were gearing up to get out next, but nice and simple. It wasn't a, a long, overdrawn kind of segment. He got in and told the people what he needed to tell them. And I think they they have some sympathy for him. And, and again, it's another person on the injured reserve list that hopefully we'll see sometime soon back in the title picture, sort of exciting the Falling Star Wrestling crowd in 2022. Yeah, I mean, Jaden wanted to wrestle. He had wrestled. But I think more as a precautionary measure because people are getting, have been hurt left, right and centre. We've lost quite a lot of our top stars, you know, towards the end of the year. They'll all be back, but we've lost quite a few of them in a quite close period. And it's, it's, we've managed to get through, but it's a precautionary measure. You know, the Christmas show is, is a great show and it's a great to be a part of, but I just don't feel it's worth risking Craig's knee at the Christmas bash at Westland when we've got such a busy year planned for, 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 falling star coming up in 2022 so i don't think that he needs to to worry about anything now for the next sort of you know if he feels good and he's ready to come back in early january at the next Westlin show then great if not then it'll be nice for him to be ready by outwell and that gives him sort of around about six weeks his knee was playing him up but it wasn't like he wasn't going to go out there and wrestle it was like i said a precautionary thing because if we were to lose him as well as Jack and you know as as was then we wasn't I wasn't too sure about Rob at that particular point. We we didn't just decide until he was gonna wrestle until on the day. Brett Sentex, um his knee isn't too great. You know, I don't just a lot of a lot of injuries have all flooded in at once and the last thing that we want is for Jaden to to hurt himself even further on a show that he didn't he didn't need to do it on. So he wanted to go out and address the fans. They love him to pieces, and he's passionate about wrestling in front of uh, the Fallen Star Wrestling fans. He's passionate about being in that ring and putting in 150% each time, and he isn't going to do any less. So, you know, give him a night off. Them say his peace, them say Merry Christmas and just send him into Christmas so he can enjoy it with his family, chill out and get his knee ready for ready for next year so he can uh, wrestle CW Davis, who's, who's a very physical wrestler. So 
his knee needs to be back up to par for that one, you know? Indeed. Rest up, Jaden. We'll see you back in a Falling Star Wrestling ring in 2022. Now we move on to match number three. This was a non-title Christmas bash match. This was advertised on the Falling Star Wrestling podcast and also on the Falling Star Wrestling Facebook page. It was the Disaster Artists, a.k.a. the legendary Jimmy Starr and PVC versus the NLP, Mitch Basher and Crowley. The rules of the match were quite simple. It was basically a no DQ match, but only weapons found under the Christmas tree of destruction were to be used. Now, this wasn't any kind of festive Christmas tree. It was basically a ladder covered in lights. And uh, what you could grab from underneath that ladder was available to use as a weapon, whether it's a baking tray wrapped in paper, a ladder covered in lights, or even a baseball bat wrapped in tinsel. Anything goes. Well, <laughs> To begin with, we came out and we did our little spiel. We came out to, you know, the, the Band-Aid Christmas song, because as we do on all Falling Star Wrestling Christmas shows, each wrestler comes out to a different Christmas song. And we came out to Band-Aid, you know, the arms were waving. We were singing along. We were happy. We were in a good mood. We were ready to wrestle the NLP. And then we cut a little bit of a promo. You're obviously, you know, trying to set the stage for the match. You give me the mic. I gave you a little uh, little birthday treat. We sung happy birthday to yourself. And then out comes the NLP. They were not very happy with their Christmas music. And uh, Mitch Basher grabs a microphone. And, well, <laughs> let's just say it wasn't exactly <laughs> the best thing for uh, Mitch Basher. Unfortunately, he's been suffering with a bit of a throat infection. So any words that he spoke kind of came out a little bit meek quiet and scratchy now it sounded like a teenager it sounds like a teenager <laughs> and 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 of course this this kind of took us by surprise we're in the back you know obviously when you're talking there's not that level that you don't need to project a voice so he's, he just sounded normal in the back and then he comes out and he's trying to project in his normal mitch basher kind of growly voice and and it comes out yeah like jim jim said like like a little teenage boy and this caused us to basically erupt into fits of laughter the crowd are chanting where's your voice voice gone where's your voice gone which again just added to the absolute hilarity of the whole thing and then this you know mitch basher and crowley did not like this so they were like no we're off we want to come out to our proper music so they come out again and the the, the music that we chose for them was the uh we're walking in the air of course you know just the most inappropriate song for those guys who are just downright dirty pig farmer crazy psycho mfers and yeah they come out again and we're thinking right he's probably got his voice voice on track again and he tries to speak again and it comes out again like all sort of broken and crackled and again we're just on the floor just crying laughing the whole crowd is just just i don't know like everybody's just like what the hell is going on like people are just laughing and and we were just like oh my god um <laughs> so they had enough they left again and then <laughs> You grabbed the microphone and proceeded to basically imitate Mitch Bash's unfortunate little voice there. And that just killed me. I was just in the corner. I had to have the ropes to hold me up. And <laughs> I was just crying, laughing. And then you basically just said, you know, if they're not going to come to the ring, let's go get them. And that's what we did. And that's the uh, that's the start to the match. Jim, uh, anything you want to add on to that sort of first segment? Okay. I've said a million times before and I'll say it again. It's always the unplanned things that just get over so much more than planning things. I mean, you know, I know that that wasn't an actual match thing or a spot or something like that, but 
it was a promo and, and promos nowadays, especially in the WWE, are so scripted and people, I mean, I know they're live on TV and, you know, if they're in front of millions of people, they're, they're seen as superstars. So if one of their voices went on TV, it might be a little bit more, more, more serious. But the fact is, you know, how do you deal with it? Well, the fact is it's happened. Do you know what I mean? Like, nothing like that if uh, any of the crowd who were there listening... That wasn't planned. We didn't just sit there and go, oh, just know what would be really funny, Paul, is if when you when you go out there as Mitch Basher and you shout, if you sound like a fucking teenage kid whose plums haven't dropped, that would be really good. That would get a really good reaction. I just know <laughs> it would. I just know it would. And then what Then what I'll do is when is when I talk, I'll do imitate you, and then we'll start the match because, you know, that that's bound to get a fucking hoop. There's no no plan of that happening. It was just, it just happened. Fucking Mitch is, Mitch is like you said, Mitch has been suffering from laryngitis. His throat was fucked. He couldn't shout. And, it, yeah, he, he, he just sounded like, do you remember old um, Madge Bitcher from off of Neighbours? Do you ever watch Neighbours? <laughs> it's a bit niche. Isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit niche. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> But if anyone off YouTube types in Madge Bishop of Neighbours, they'll see that her and Paul sounded quite similar on that particular occasion. It was. It was really funny. And for that type of show and the type of match we were about to have, it was cool. I mean, it, if that would have been, if that would have happened at a Lynn Sport just before a fucking, an absolute blowout, serious match that we, that we were about to have with an extremely serious storyline, then I wouldn't have taken the piss out of it. Paul would have probably realized that, or Mitch rather would have realized that my voice is fucking gone. Let's cut it out and let's just try and underplay it because this is serious. But it's Christmas. We're about to have a fucking Christmas bash match where we're going to hit each other with presents and shit like that and, you know, fuck around for 15, 20 minutes. It didn't require that, that level of seriousness. So, improvise with it don't ignore it capitalize on it and just use it to your advantage and that's a beautiful thing about being a heel you lose your voice start to sound like a croaky teenager that's that's brilliant because people get an opportunity to laugh at you and they get an opportunity to boo you for something else and and you know as a heel you, you can't really do anything wrong nothing can really go wrong and as a baby face for us to be able to capitalize on that is brilliant as well because it gets us over even more. So yeah, it was it was fun. It was just it was a it was an unexpected, um, fun little Christmas treat. And uh, yeah, it, it it made the audience how it made us corpses as wrestlers. Like you know, there's no fucking way <laughs> in a million years that I wasn't going to laugh at that. Fucking Paul wasn't going to laugh at that. Even Crowley <laughs> was fucking. <laughs> chewing a brick trying not to fucking laugh and um, you know it's just just no way of getting it back and then not kicking the match off the only thing that I would say watching it back because Paul couldn't do any of his Mitch Basher real shouting intimidating heel stuff during that match probably probably slightly slightly hurt their um, intimidation factor because every time he'd scream he'd fucking his voice would crack so he couldn't fucking he, he couldn't like you know tell the crowd that they were a bunch of bastards because if he did he, he, you know his, his voice would his, his voice would crackle and the crowd would laugh at him the crowd is a silent hill anyway 
it sort of took the voice away from the heel side. But in general, you know, it didn't matter. It was because we had the tools and the toys and the presents and stuff. So it it it, it was fine. Yeah, it was very 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 funny. And then obviously the match proceeded to to carry on and be an enjoyable match anyway. You know, so. And again, like when Mitch Basher comes back after the Christmas break, hopefully he'll be all like healed up from his throat infection oh, yeah. and stuff. And he'll be able to go out there and he'll be able to claim that back. He'll grab the microphone and he'll shout at people and he'll scream at them. They'll probably laugh at him a little bit longer. And then if he goes out and decimates somebody and says, ah, that's what you get for laughing at me. You know, I'm going to basically murder your favorite baby face. He's going to get his heat back there. But like you said, it didn't really matter on this kind of Christmas show. Everything no. was a lot of fun. Like, and everyone's just kind of enjoying themselves. And, you know, as, as kind of baby faces, like, even in character, I was kind of laughing in character. I was sort of also laughing out of character as well because it was just so funny. Like, and every time I think about it, and I've watched the video again, it just made me laugh every time because it's so, it's it was so unexpected. Because every time he grabs the microphone, you just hear the expect this. Shut up, I'm oh, Mitch Basher, and it just it just came out like that, and it's just like so funny every time. So we're gonna have to put some clips up on on the Fallen Star Wrestling Facebook page about that. I just looked at it as a. Well, the minute it happened, I just looked at it and went, oh, oh, this is a gift from God. This <laughs> truly is. This truly is a Christmas miracle. The little baby Jesus <laughs> is shining down on us right now and giving us a fucking whopper of a Christmas present. Santa's been early. Like, you know, this is perfect. Like, you know, and Mitch played it beautifully as well. And the thing is, it's like, once that happens, it's like, we might as well go home. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing we can do now that's going to beat that. But we tried. We did try our hardest, I have to say. We tried our damnedest in, in that match to, to keep it fun and festive, but also give it a little bit of a, a little, little bit of a brutal edge. And um, I think we played it pretty, pretty well, pretty perfectly. I mean, I watched the match back. First off, I thought, like, the concept worked with the rules, you know. We can only use the, the presence under the tree. Um, which was a ladder wrapped in lights and tinsel. That's cool. That was good. And the fact that the presence, which you took the time to wrap up and stuff, which is great, like that we got to unveil them and the wrapping and stuff, that's another pop because the difficult thing about like a tag hardcore match, um, which is a bit of a nightmare, is there's not one person on the apron to G up during like heat and stuff so and also with any kind of no dq matches where you use weapons and toys sometimes it takes you a little bit longer to transition from one spot to another because you're having to basically set up toys to get to the next bit so there's a little bit of silence there so it never sounds quite as loud as a really good well worked within the rules tag team matches which i prefer i mean if i'm going to wrestle the tag team match I prefer a straight tag team match than to what we wrestled the other day. It's just that it's nice to have a change, and that just happened to be really good fun. But in general, a hardcore tag team match can very easily become a clusterfuck, can't it, uh, with people looking in different directions. And I think we tried really hard to avoid that, and I think we managed as well, which was a testament to us four as, as performers like, if something big is happening or if something is, is happening in the match or something's turning or, you know, we're about to get a little bit of heat here or we're about to get a shine or someone's about to do a big move, then, you know, we won't take the attention away from the people who are doing it in the ring or all four of us will be involved in it and it'll be an inclusive spot and it doesn't matter, you know, people are going to be looking at us anyway. 
I think we did very well in that match, watching it back. I think we did very well not to overstimulate the crowd um, with just too much shit going on. Because, I mean, you know, for example, like you and Crowley or you and Paul could have paired off in the ring and done loads of moves and spots. And me and Crowley could have been on the outside smashing each other around bits and odds and sods. And the crowd wouldn't know whether to look up, down, left, right, or, you know, around the corner. They just wouldn't know what to look at. We would have got a few of them looking at us and a few of them looking at you and, you know, the rest trying to look at both. And then there's no real story there. But I think we kept a really nice story with some good false finishes and some and some good spots and some, you know, fun spots also quite painful-looking spots. And I think as the match got further along, it got a little bit more serious, and the pop was there. And that's that's how you sort of truly know the reward of of a bit of a gimmick match like that is, is the pop at the end, because the crowd aren't going to be with it whilst we're trying to set up stuff. And if every 30 seconds we stop and start trying to get the, the crowd going by clapping and cheap type things. The match is going to take forever and nothing's going to get set up. So difficult wars to navigate, but I think we, we navigated them pretty well, to be honest with you. Yeah, we sort of start off the match with a bit of chaos and I think that always kind of raises the the level of excitement. We sort of grab them from outside. You know, they're, they'd just gone back. They were, they'd had enough of us ridicule them for their voice. So we went out there, we grabbed them, we bashed them around the ring a little bit, give them a few strikes, chuck them on the merch table, all sorts of, sorts of stuff like that and that kind of creates that little bit of chaos and then as soon as we were done with that yeah like you said we basically sort of almost I guess kind of structured it as if you would do some like three-way matches or four-way matches where you want all of the action to happen in the ring and all of the significant things to happen inside of the ring because that's the the focal point of where people are watching you don't want them kind of looking sideways or looking outside or, or around the corner to, to find out you know two guys bashing each other when in the ring you've got the the sort of the meat and potatoes happening in there so that's the way we kind of did things and I guess just to go through a few notable sort of parts of the match uh, the ladder was introduced quite early and seemingly the ladder was a little bit on our side watching the match back there was one point where you set the ladder up in the corner um, and then your Irish whip was reversed and you went clattering into the ladder and as your back hit the ladder you fell to the floor and then all of a sudden the sort of the ladder just fell really really slowly and it looked like it was going to clatter you in the head but because Crowley had reversed your whip he sort of like dived onto the floor and the ladder just went directly on top of him I don't know how you did it Jim I don't know whether you uh, had a little bit of um, a little bit of sway with the ladder but that that was that was something that happened and then we did another spot with the ladder again a similar thing where somebody gets whipped into the buckle gets into the ladder and the ladder fell again on Crowley's head once again so I don't know what you did to that ladder but uh, Jimmy you nailed it and then early on in the match you uh, did a a little bit of a, a hardcore legend spot you had a what, what would we call it a little stocking uh, a little Christmas stocking um, stuffed down your uh, stuffed down your singlet you introduce the stocking put it on your hand a little Mick Foley tribute put it down Mitch Bash's mouth that was quite a, quite a good little spot and I didn't see that until I watched the video I, I thought that spot was sort of forgotten but I was on the outside bashing Crowley uh, all up and down the outside there and I saw you do that and that got quite a nice little pop I had a nice little special gift for the NLP like you said earlier on we sort of designed this match around the weapons being kind of wrapped and underneath this sort of monstrous tree that was made up of a ladder so um, there's been a canvas that I painted for a match that I had with CW Davies and Furio back in 2018 which was um, Lynn Sports beatdown. So I got the canvas from a shop. I painted over it, you know, put a little bit of graffiti on it. And 
in that three-way hardcore match, I actually forgot it in the back because we were getting ready for the match and I was meant to bring it out with me. Completely forgot it. And so ever since that, I think it was October 2018, it's been kicking around the Falling Star Wrestling ring ever since then. So it's been, you know, over three years it's been kicking around. It's been seen underneath the rings. People have got it out for hardcore matches, but it's never, ever been used. So I just thought, you know, as a nice little Christmas present, I wrapped it up really nicely, got a little bit of spray paint and I wrote on the uh, on the canvas, like on the wrapping paper, I wrote two and then NLP and then got it into the ring you passed me it as a present I put it up in the air and people were like oh what's that going to be and then as soon as I sort of tore the wrapping paper off I showed the people in the crowd and I think people kind of instantly recognized it as like I've seen that before how is that still kicking around after like three years so yeah I then uh, took the canvas and battered Crowley over the head unfortunately it didn't really have the effect that I wanted I wanted it to kind of split and go over his shoulders but basically we've realized that, that yeah. I told you at the time I bet I was yeah. I yeah. bet you're fiver again in that match because I bet you're fiver <laughs> yeah. and you didn't use it. But no, they don't. They're bastards. They're woven bits of fabric. They just you broke the outside of it, like the wooden frame. But no, to stick someone's head for it. No, it's just. Uh, I think you'd have to virtually kill someone to do that. That's, that'd be <laughs> it was a bit unfortunate that I didn't get to to put it over his head, but I hit him quite a few times. And yeah, like you said, the, the frame broke and that was quite good. And then after they got up on us, they introduced the, well, not thumbtacks. They had another little Christmas stocking, which, you know, in normal hardcore matches, somebody brings out a little black bag and you think, oh, what's in there? And then they do the whole thing where they tip them out onto the canvas. But as this was a Christmas bash match, instead of thumbtacks, we did bauble. So Crowley put the baubles on the, on the floor. They go to give me the double suplex onto the baubles. You run in for the save, pull me down. We have a bit of a strike off, boom, back and forth, back and forth. They're like teetering as if they're going to fall onto the baubles. I come in for a big shot. Crowley lifts me up, gives me a massive spinning spine buster straight onto the baubles. Half of them crack underneath my weight and most of them get in all, all kind of cluttered up inside my singlet and stuff and then as I'm writhing around on the floor uh, Mitch Basher gives you a side suplex onto the thumbtacks as well well not thumbtacks sorry the the Christmas baubles and yeah they they absolutely nail us get a couple of near falls there as well I thought that was quite a cool spot again fun with the festive element it kind of fits with the whole Christmas bash match but kind of adds that little bit of, uh, of a hardcore element because they weren't like they were they were plasticky baubles they weren't glass thankfully but they, they still broke underneath their weight and I don't know whether you got suplexed onto them because I think I took most of them out as I was kind of writhing around on the floor. But um, yeah, did they hurt, Jim? Didn't hurt me, no. It was just a bump. I did, uh, I re-watched it back and uh, with your uh, Mega Spine Buster, I think that, um, yeah, you were the one to take the brunt of that one, I'm afraid. All good, all good. I don't mind taking the brunt of it. You know, you, you saved me from the double suplex, so, you know, the best I can ask for is uh, it's just a Spine Buster. So then obviously the NLP there on top there, they put the beatings to you. They, uh, you know, they're, they're really beating you down. They grab the ladder. Um, I jump into the ring. I unwrap a, a steel chair that was lovely wrapped in this in this red tape. And as they're both holding the ladder, uh, ready to sort of annihilate one of the, one or two of us, I grab the chair, hit the ladder in the middle. They both take a bump. As you've been beaten up, I'm like Jimmy. Here's the here's the chair. Do what you will with them. As they're laying on the floor, they still have the ladder. They're sort of you know side to side on the floor and the ladder's on top and you're just wailing on them bang 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 chair shot after chair shot after chair shot and at this point I'm climbing up to the second rope it would have been 
a top rope move, but as we know in the Wesleyan Sports and Social Club, the ceiling is a little bit lower, so I could only go from the second rope. And then you give him one last bash. And then at that point, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. The the options were to do a back sent on, a leg drop, or a frog splash. And you won with neither of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I went with kind of a hybrid move, and I, you know, I'll claim it as like a hybrid move. So I jumped off the second rope, and it was a half senton, half leg drop, and basically my ass went through the ladder, breaking it in half, and really, really hurting my bum. And I have a nice big bruise on there. So you know, out of all of the things that happened in that match, that was the thing that hurt the most, and it was the thing that I did to myself. But no regrets at all. Thing is, though, right? If you think about that logically. You're never ever going to be able to do that move ever unless you've got a ladder, are you? Because you're never going to just be able to jump up in the air and sit on someone's fucking head. You're going to kill them, right? You know, and there's obviously, <laughs> yeah. we're working. We don't want to kill each other. Um, so that's, 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 that's probably one of the few times that that move has ever been done. I mean, you, you know, you can uh, give someone a leg drop. You can give someone a sent on. But you can't just sit your ass straight on their head in from that. You, know, you do like a Yoko Zunari type thing where you can protect the protect them that way or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, jumping up in the air as high as you were well could physically get in that room and uh, and and sitting on that ladder, you, you couldn't have done that to their ass or their face or their body or any part of it. You'd have fucking injured them. So you, your ass got a few rung marks across it, but uh, the ladder snapped and it looked fucking awesome. And that was probably the the move of the match, really, in terms of like the, the, the hardcore element with it. I mean, after the bauble spot, like things got quite sort of serious in terms of like, you know, the falsies were happening then. And, and that was another thing I liked about the match. Once things got quite more serious as they could in that kind of match, we amped it up a little bit and uh, we didn't go back. Do you know what I mean? We didn't go back to right things and now getting to the full season. They're getting quite serious. We're starting to get hurt here. You know, psychology wise, we're starting to get hurt here, but we're also starting to hurt them. We're not going to go back now and do a fucking tinsel spot. Do you know what I mean? Like this is got to the part of the match now where things are getting a little bit more sort of uh, hardcore because we're at that point in the match now. We've, we've got to turn it up a gear. So once that ball ball spot happened for the sort of last sort of couple of minute, five minute take home, we, uh, you know, things were taken a little bit more sort of seriously and uh, it helped the match as well because it, it, the forces were quite well received and got good reactions. And, um, you know, at, at the time hearing, yeah, I, I sort of knew that psychology wise, we were where we needed to be with the match. And uh, as long as we didn't, fuck the finish or whatever, we, 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 we should take this home fairly nicely, you know. Yeah, it was a little bit of back and forth after that spot. Um, you asked me to grab a special little present that we hid underneath the ring and, you know, within the rules, it was a it was a Christmassy baseball bat which we'd wrapped in uh, tinsel. And again, like, it kind of had that sort of wow factor in a sense of, like, they've used the baseball bat time and time again. This is our opportunity to kind of, within the rules of the match, be able to use this. So at uh, one point you grab Mitch Basher, get him full Nelson I grab the baseball bat people are going to pop I go to swing it towards him he moves out the way I manage to stop without hitting you but then you tell me he's behind you I run around into a sister Abigail he absolutely drills me on top of my head and then he gets up and turns around into a devastating cutter and then people think is that going to be the finish one two Crowley comes in for the uh, save and then he starts sort of wailing on you with a steel chair and Jim take us into the finish because you were sort of more involved in in this part of the match 
Jimmy will take us through the finish of the match in just one moment, but before he does, I just need to remind you that Falling Star Wrestling will return to the Westland Sports and Social Club in Kingsland on Saturday 8th of January 2022. We'll be kicking off the new year in style and we hope to see you there. And now back to the show. Yeah, he, he broke the pin up. He got the uh, the chair, which had all been unwrapped. Um, I fed round into a gut shot, and then he uh, he smashed me across the back with a steel chair afterwards. Nice, solid shot. It was, uh, again, safe, but, you know, you felt it type thing. Um, and the idea for there for the finish um, was, was going to be quite a grotesque one if he'd have pulled it off. He's put the chair over my face. He grabbed the baseball bat that you tried to use earlier on. The idea was he was going to swing the bat at my face with the chair covering it. So it would have splattered my head across the floor like a melon. But you came to my rescue at the last minute. You grabbed the end of the baseball bat. You tussled with him for a bit. Luckily, you got the better of him. Snatched the baseball bat um, off of him. By this point, I was just up and just had enough energy to throw the chair at Crowley to try and smash it in his face. He caught it, but you had the uh, you had the resolve and you spotted it, um, and you had the quickness of reaction to twat him straight in the face with the baseball bat, which his face and head was covered by the chair. So he got a double whammy. You got a chair to the face fire a swinging baseball bat, which it knocked him out, but it knocked him out standing. I hit him with a star KO. We both jumped on top of him. Uh, the referee counted the one, two, three, two, ruptuous pop. Um, I think the crowd were ready to see us beat them. It was a really, really, really fun, good match. Nothing went wrong. It was everything needed to be. It was fun. Um, it was chaotic, but it wasn't too chaotic for people to follow. It wasn't a mess. Um, even though it looked like a mess in the ring afterwards, it wasn't a mess of a match. Um, there was some nice storytelling in there. There was some fairly well thought out, quite brutal looking spots, but still safe enough. I know Crowley hurt his back in that match, but that wasn't from anything to do with the weapons or moves even. It was just a sort of balancing issue when he was giving me the backbreaker. I think he, he tweaked his back a little bit. Um, oh, and that was another spot. I got a backbreaker. Uh, Mitch Basher put the ladder on top of me whilst I was still straddled over over Crowley's knee, and then he gave me the uh, the Bret Hart um, or Austin sort of uh, second row elbows uh, with the ladder over my face and uh, drilled the ladder into my uh, in my into my head. So uh, that was quite a cool little little inventive spot. So that was the the spot that finally turned the lights off on our ladder. That was like the sink of the Titanic. That was like the the lights finally went out on the ladder. Good inventive spots there that, that were designed to get the crowd going, have fun, a little bit of sort of PG violence, and for us to come out of it sort of unscathed. And I know, like I said, it was a shame that Crowley's back sort of, sort of went, but I don't think, hopefully, fingers crossed, it's too serious of an injury. I, I hope, I, I think he was sort of as, as a night wore off. We could sort of say that, you know, he's, he's probably tweaked something, pinged something, pinged a nerve, maybe a bit of sciatica, something like that. But, you know, hopefully it's not, nothing he has to go to or has had to seek any further medical attention for. Once we all got backstage, what we said was just summed up. It was fucking fun, you know. It was fun for us doing it. 
hopefully it was fun. And I think it was from what I could read and from what I could hear from the crowd. Uh, they thought it was fun. Uh, it was in the right place of the uh, of the show. It was totally different to anything else that the show was going to have. Uh, significant in the sense that it was a once in a year type of match that we could do. We couldn't do that any other time of the year because, you know, we don't get gifts any other time of the of the year like that. So we used the theme of Christmas and turned it into a little violent dance. And I think that that was uh, quite a cool little bit of business we did there. And I think we should uh, be proud of ourselves. I was, I was happy with that match. I was. I was really happy too. Yeah, it was It was different in terms of there wasn't a tag team match anywhere else on the card. There wasn't a hardcore match anywhere else on the card. It was fun in those ways, in the sense that we were literally opening up presents and had that kind of Christmas feel to it. And yeah, it started off with us in rupturous laughter, but it ended with four guys in the ring absolutely bad and broken you know we were all having to kind of either be pulled out of the ring or carried away and you know I was trying to use the baseball bat as a walking stick because my ass was hurting your head was hurting and obviously Crowley's back and Mitch Bash's head like everybody was was a broken man after that but you, you contrast it from the beginning where everything's fun and presents and we're laughing at Mitch Bash's voice and we're doing like traditional tag team moves at the start of the match and then slowly we're opening up presents and that's fun and we're hitting people with canvases but then like we're hitting each other with chairs and then ladders are being broken and baseball bats are being introduced and stuff like that. And it just, just the, the curve of fun towards kind of, yeah, like you said, PG violence in a, in a family friendly environment. And we accomplished what we set out to accomplish. And I hope for, you know, us as a tag team, as the disaster artist, hopefully that will kind of put us up there in terms of people are, are looking at us. We, we can get the job done. We've just had a few kind of uh, rough tag team uh, matches in the last couple of weeks. But now we've finally managed to get that monkey off our back. We've beaten the NLP at their own game, but we still don't have the Falling Star Wrestling Tag Team Championships yet. But hopefully we will in the future. We we just know that, you know, doing it in a traditional tag team match probably isn't the one. We're gonna have to, you know, uh turn up the turn up the volume, turn up the heat on the NLP to to get those straps off of them. And also I think you know, it's part of um, you know, our characters that when we go in there, we're willing to fight hard and we're willing to put everything on the line and do whatever it takes to try and win the match. But I think that as a tag team, as a as a baby face tag team we want to go in there and when we win the titles, we want to win them. We want to win them properly. So if we're going to go into a straight tag team match, we're not going to be swinging chairs behind people's backs. We're not going to be trying to uh, uh, cheat our way into any kind of victory because that'll be a hollow victory for us. And that's not what we want. So if we do end up winning the, the tag team titles in a, in a straight tag team match, then we want to win it in a straight way. However, like last, uh, last Saturday uh, showed, if you want to take the rules away, we can fucking get as crazy as anyone and we can get the job done too. So it's not as if we can't break the rules and we can't fight in that way. And we're not, we haven't got that aggressive streak. We have, but we want to win the match in within the, within the structure and within the confines of the rules that are set out for that match. And I think that's, you know, if people want to say that that might be our undoing, that we want to try and, we want to try and be fair, then then that's fair enough. But 
at the end of the day, what kind of victory would it be, and what kind of champions would we be if we were if we were like every, everyone else and just trying to fucking beg, borrow, and steal our way to the top? You either earn it or you don't fucking deserve it, you know? Yeah, and just um, sort of thinking about something that happened uh, last Wednesday. Speaking of kind of like the tag team division and people taking shortcuts and things, there was a little bit of an incident at uh, the Linsport training session last Wednesday, right? We had a bit of a bit of an interaction with Rashwood. Can you take me? through that i only saw videos of it you know we haven't really spoken about it we didn't really speak about it at the uh at the christmas bash event but rashwood's been indefinitely suspended is that right well yeah i mean that wasn't my decision i that was taken out of my hands by the uh the rest of the guys at fsw because basically i was too fucking angry to think straight um but yeah he, he came into the school the training school is, is is a big part of the falling star wrestling journey there's a lot of people there a lot of new people there um he he snuck in through the 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 fire exit entrance and just as the guys were packing away this was right at the end of the of the session and i was on the phone to me old man he sneak attacked me and just blindsided me i didn't really know what was going on for a while but then he yeah yeah then he aimed me into a load of their uh tables which knocked me silly for a bit before I could come around to get the bastard, he'd gone. The cameraman had gone too. So that's something that we've got to deal with in the new year. Just goes to show the level of Rashford's character. He, I think he knew that he wasn't going to be at the Christmas show. Knew he wasn't wanted there. He came and got me whilst I was least expecting it. Still thinks he's got the upper hand, but if anything, it's made me more angry. I'm sure watching you watching it, may it pissed you off as well. It's, it's aside from the NLP to worry about. We've got, uh, you know, Rashford and Swede to worry about. So, yeah, we'll see what next year brings for that one. But I just think he was trying to make a mark and leave a little bit of a mark because he knew he wasn't going to be at the Christmas show. At the end of the day, you know, you could sneak attack anyone uh, from behind, but it takes a, takes a real man to fucking look at someone in the eye and duke it out like a, a real fire. Rashwood obviously isn't capable of doing that. So I mean, I mean, it wasn't wasn't anything hugely hugely serious. Once I once I took the cobwebs out and whatnot, it would obviously as you saw it didn't affect Saturday. Just gave me more motivation to want to pull his fucking teeth out of his head. So well, just as long as you're okay, mate. And obviously, you know, as as tag team partner and as podcast power and as you know genuine friend, I'm there to back you up. If he's going to have backup in the in the way of Swede, I don't mind being there. But uh, I know you've been nursing that shoulder injury. You know, you couldn't come to the big top wrestling show because of the because of the shoulder and stuff like that. I just hope that you know we'll have a couple of weeks off for Christmas. You'll get nice and healed and stuff. And then yeah, if they want to come at us, we'll be ready. There. We'll, we'll tape our fists up and they know exactly what we can do whether it's swing a ladder swing a chair swing a baseball bat or just swing some fists we're going to be there and rashwood if you've got something to say to jimmy you can say it to me as well i'm i'm, I'm there he's my he's my disaster artist buddy and uh you know we're in this we're in this for the long run so the ring after our match was littered with wrapping paper, shards of baubles, a broken ladder and just general chaos. So we had to have an interval there. And uh, yeah, we, ha- we had a few kind of um, helpers and elves come into the ring and sweep all the debris out of the ring. We went into the interval and then we came back for match number four, which was uh, Bobby Adams versus KM Lane. And again, this was another different match comparing to everything we've seen on the event so far. More of a kind of map-based technical wrestling match 
match which pit the outlandish and exuberant KM Lane against Falling Star Wrestling's resident locksmith Bobby Adams. KM had Adams on the back foot for most of the start until Adams managed to gain the upper hand and started to work on the sort of arm, shoulder and wrist area of KM Lane and that was the focus of the match. Uh, both guys hit each other with some really, really cool moves. A few quite exquisite looking crossbodies from KM Lane and we were sitting quite close to the ring. You were doing the announcing for the second half. I was doing the music and when KM hit that big old crossbody, we both looked at each other and went, that was really, really nice. Oh, and then nice. Bobby Adams came back and nailed a sweet looking backstabber. He does a signature kind of slingshot spear, but that wasn't enough to keep KM Lane down. And then to the finish of the match, Bobby Adams managed to lock in the cross arm breaker and force KM Lane to quit. It's a Christmas miracle for Bobby Adams as he picks up his first win in falling star wrestling for the year of 2021. So He's starting himself a little winning streak. Let's see what happens in 2022. Um, I guess in terms of effort, I cannot knock what those guys did. They did an entertaining match. Um, maybe a touch more crowd work for both of them. Bobby's starting to look a bit more snappier. We've talked about it on the podcast before. If he's going to go for this technical kind of wizard, Dean Malenko-esque thing, he needs that kind of snap. And there was a few points in that match where there was a, there was a really nice snap. He'd do like an arm ringer and bring it over his shoulder and a big bam, big snap. I thought that was really, really good. Uh, there was one point in the match when Bobby started to get his heat on it. I would have liked a little bit more kind of aggression and just, just forcefulness, but you know, they, they did really, really well. And uh, for that kind of match, it's always hard to have a, a rowdy, ruckus kind of crowd because it was a lot of Bobby Adams' heat was just working and manipulating joints and just pulling fingers back and twisting elbows and twisting arms and working on that shoulder just to kind of really loosen KM Lane up and especially for the arm breaker that, um, that finished off the match. And yeah, I, I really like the match. And, and these guys have worked together before and they worked together on, the, on Saturday's show. I think maybe if they did a third match, they could really, really come up with something really, really good. Like, especially kind of KM Lane. He's really coming into his own. Like, he's got such unique gear, such unique hair and a great look. Obviously, Bobby Adams, every match that he has, he's improving slightly. He's listening to critiques that we've done either on the podcast or when you've spoken to him, you know, at a wrestling show or in training. He's very committed. He wants this character to work. He knows it's not the the most kind of over, over the top kind of character because he wants to be that kind of cool, calm, collected Iceman technical wrestler that picks your body parts away. But I'm sure, you know, with, with every little bit, with every little bit of exposure with, with the falling star wrestling crowd, he's, he's getting known, he's getting out there. Um, obviously you were sitting next to me, Jim. Uh, do you have any thoughts and feelings on this match? Yeah, I think, you know, my sentiments exactly really a little bit long. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of snap to, uh, Bobby Adams' stuff, you know, like when you know we're we're in training together, and the feedback that we've given on this or I've given on this is like you know you can be the you can be the technical wizard, but you've still got to deliver those moves with with such realism and 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 snap and get the aggression in your face and and in in your eyes and all that sort of stuff. And if you want to be that wrestler's wrestler, it's not just enough putting the holds on and having someone, you know, ride around in agony for you. You need to really look like you're trying to tear someone's shoulder out of their socket or break their ankle or, you know, whatever. And Bobby is 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 sort of coming into that kind of style and, and way of thinking now. I think he's got to the stage now where he's comfortable with the moves and a lot of the spots and the bumps and things like that. I think he's got to the stage now, especially over the past sort of couple of months where 
He's more trying to think about his matches, and I've seen drastic improvements in his work as a pro wrestler rather than just trying to, you know, get the holds on and shoot the holds on and think about where he's got to go next and whatnot. He seems a lot more comfortable, and that's one thing I noticed from from him in this particular match. He looked more comfortable in that ring in that particular match than I'd seen him in, you know, well, ever, forever. That's the most comfortable he's ever looked. Um, KM Lane has got all the makings of a superstar. You know, he's got a great look. He's got a great physique. He's able to do some really cool things. The crowd just naturally like him. He's very good. Obviously, he's still still a bit green. It's going to take some time, but I see a really good baby face there. I've, I've not seen him do any heel work. I don't know if he has yet. Um, he might have even done a bit for Falling Star, and I've forgotten about it. But, you know, as a, as a baby face, I thought that suited him well. The bouncing off the rope sort of reverse crossbody thing really looked sweet. If it was about, you know, four or five minutes shorter um, and had a little bit more sort of, uh, especially at the end, had a little bit more of a shine for, for KM so that he could really get over a little bit more. And, um, you know, when Bobby Adams did get him, it would have meant more for KM Lane and it would have meant more for Bobby beating him as well. If he could work out a, a really nice, really nice comeback with a few sort of falls. He's not like hitting his finish every 30 seconds and then pinning him by. Just, I mean, a few nice sort of big moves that builds up to to his finish and, you know, just to, to get himself over a little bit more, you know, he, he, as a baby face, you know, don't be frightened to take your time on your shines and take your times on your on, on your comebacks too. If the, if the villain's beating you, the villain will beat you anyway. Let's make sure it looks like he's beating somebody, you know. And I think that um, Cam Lane is, 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 you know, sort of 80 to 85%. You get into the bit where he's he's sort of fully formed as a baby face. And Bobby Adams is probably, you know, around about the same mark. They just uh, they just need to get that last sort of 15 to 20% of honing in their skills on the, on the storytelling and pacing part of it. And obviously the timekeeping side of things. But otherwise, yeah, and again, just another part of the booking side of things. And as I said before to any other promoter out there, keep your cards varied. And, you know, there wasn't another match like this on that card in terms of more of a technical sort of wrestling match with a lot more holds, a lot more harkening back to the to the British days, but also with elements of shooting MMA and trying to crack arm bars on and things like that, you know. It was a completely different match to what we saw so far, and, and all the matches were just all totally different. So it was a good way to sort of open the interval and then you go on to the, eventually the next match. I know we did the awards for the next match, which was a rumble, uh, sorry, about Royale. Uh, another totally different match. So, you know, good, good, very good variation on the card, I think, for this year. We did have the awards sandwiched in between the Bobby Adams KM Lane match and the Christmas Rumble. So we had three categories um, with a secret category put in there that the fans didn't actually vote on. But um, for the ones the fans did vote on, we had Newcomer of the Year, we had Match of the Year and Wrestler of the Year. In last week's edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast, we talked about it. We gave a few of our thoughts and feelings on them and we were here. The fans have voted. So um, Newcomer of the Year, as presented by Jimmy Starr in your wonderful little Christmas jacket and tie. So we got Newcomer of the Year, which was Brett Semtex. We had Trainee of the Year. This wasn't voted on by the fans. This was uh, discussed internally within Falling Star Wrestling, of course. You as being head coach, 
with Furio and Matt and, and everybody else involved with the with the training academy. And uh, we had Robbie Lewis come out, which was a real nice surprise. Um, really great to see Robbie out there. He's always putting in a lot of effort and, you know, he turns up to every training session. And we talked about it on the show, like for a guy that works nights, he puts in a lot of effort in the gym, comes to training and then has to go to work for, you know, for, for eight hours in, in the evening. It's a difficult thing to do and it takes a lot of gusto, a lot of gut, a lot of grit, a lot of determination to do that. And that's obviously the reason that you gave him the uh, trainee of the year, right, Jim? Yeah, effort. I mean, uh, yeah, as a trainee, it's not all about athletic ability, not straight off the bat. I mean, if you're if you're a fantastic wrestler and you're an amazing athlete, then why come to a wrestling school? You know, the, the wrestling school is a place to learn. And Robbie has fully embraced the, the art of respecting the business respecting the the process of learning putting everything into it and also you know sometimes if you're not a natural athlete it, it actually for, for trainee of the year you know that, that that's a it goes towards you in a way because it's not as easy for you to pick it up as every everyone else but it doesn't mean that you avoid doing things do you know what i mean or avoid coming to class or you know avoid taking your bumps and and doing whatever you know i've never seen robbie say no i've never seen him not try things not give it his all and um there's just been a vast improvement and and like i said you know um on the on the night i think he probably had one of the best uh debut matches single matches that i've seen and crowley was a huge reason for that which he reminded me of about a hundred fucking times on Saturday, but, <laughs> but, he, but he truly was as well. He, I mean, he genuinely was, he was, he was a huge part of that, you know, but so kudos to Crowley for putting it together. They had a fucking really good singles match, you know, a few, a few months back and it, it was a pleasure to watch. And um, it means a lot to him in terms of effort and in terms of the respect that he's shown the business and the fact that he's really well liked by all the other guys. And the fact that he's, he's friendly, always upbeat, just gives everything his all. I mean, that's what a trainee's job is. It isn't about coming in there and knowing everything or coming in with an amazing physique or, or whatever and, and then being sent on the road too fucking early and, and making a shitload of mistakes. It's about actually sticking with the process and learning and, and, and not, or not moaning and not taking things for granted. Um, not expecting opportunities. And also, he's been our MC. You know, he didn't come into wrestling to be an MC, but we were short on an MC. He's got quite a lot of character to him. So he helped up, and, and that's the job he's been stuck with for the better part of the year. And, and, and you know, and he, and he hasn't whinged or whatever about it. He knew he would get his opportunity when he was ready for it. When he did get the opportunity, he grasped the ball by the horn. So, you know, just a total team player too, you know. Congrats, Robbie. Uh, we had match of the year, which we, we pretty much called it the day after the match happened. We we talked about it on the podcast and we were like, I'm pretty sure this is going to be match of the year. And it was indeed won by Callie Gray and Jack Landers. They had their Limitless Championship match from Heacham. Awesome match. And then uh, Jack stayed in the ring. He didn't need to go anywhere because Jack picked up Falling Star Wrestling's Wrestler of the Year. So massive congratulations to Jack. You called it last week jack wasn't in my top three he was in your top three so uh you obviously uh, got a better eye for talent than me and then after all that happened uh jimmy yourself and and matt welcomed joe into the ring who is jack's mum, who helps out backstage and you know does the merch and the and the door and she does a lot for falling star wrestling so she was welcomed into the ring 
a little little presentation for Joe. She did a little bit of a speech, so it was nice to kind of you know show our appreciation to to people, not just wrestlers. We, we like to show appreciation to the people that are, are behind the scenes doing all that kind of hard work that you don't necessarily see in the ring. But, you know, when you're sewing up canvases and doing everything for people, you know, financial things and, you know, sorting out the merch, can't people here, there and everywhere and just being a general kind of loving mother to everybody, you can't not sort of show your appreciation, right? No, of course you can't, no. I mean, like you say, you know, without people like that involved, this show wouldn't go on, you know, the wrestlers are performers and, you know, sometimes I think we get, what's the word, we, we get the glory when there's a lot of people at the back behind the scenes making things work who don't and uh, that fucking sucks, but that's just the way of any entertainment business, really. We get the, the glory and the and the crowd's adulation and, uh, you know, people who have been working really hard behind the scenes, setting things up and, you know, making sure that policies and procedures are in place and all those bits and bobs and, you know, making sure that the money's right and making sure that the fucking million, a million and one things, a million and one things I couldn't fucking possibly list. Just, just good to remind people now and again that without certain people falling star wrestling wouldn't be here. And, uh, and Joe's definitely one of them. And, um, you know, she definitely deserves to, to have her own little piece of the show just to get in the ring and say a little bit and accept a, a, a small token, an exceptionally small token of our gratitude because she, she really is great and she really has, has helped. Indeed. Thank you very much, Joe, for everything you do. And then we had our main event for the evening, the annual Over the Top Rope Christmas Bash Battle Royale. Now, there's a few notable highlights. Um, Connor, young Connor, made his wrestling debut in the Rumble as Spider-Man. We had a little bit of a theme going on. A few of the wrestlers came out just as themselves, but then a few of the wrestlers came out as sort of famous movie uh, characters and, and movie stars and stuff like that. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Connor is a Falling Star Wrestling trainee who's been with Falling Star Wrestling for quite a few months now. Uh, Connor has uh, cerebral palsy, so it was a bit of a landmark moment for, for the young guy stepping in the Rumble. You know, and it wasn't just like a trainee Rumble, there was the likes of Furio, the NLP, Callie Gray, KM Lane, Bobby Adams, all those types of people. So, you know, nobody went easy on him, but it was just a kind of a nice moment for him to get in there. And he got a little um, piece featured in the Lynn News as well. So obviously it's good for him. It raises self-esteem. You know, he can kind of do it and get in there and hang out with the, with the big boys. And, and it does a little bit of sort of press for Falling Star Wrestling as well. And, you know, I thought he did really, really well. Uh, a point in the match where the NLP basically smothered him, grabbed him, lifted him over there heads and at this point we're thinking oh my god what are they going to do to the poor man and they just launch him over the top rope and uh fortunately for connor for spider-man for peter parker there he was saved by a bunch of the guys that had already just been eliminated so he went tumbling on top of those guys and that was just a that was a really cool moment from the rumble and then we got down to the final four of the rumble which was uh trainee of the year robbie lewis furio and the nlp and after three of the uh nasty bad guys beat down robbie basher basically said to crowley I've got this, I don't need you. And obviously Crowley was a little bit hurt from our match earlier on. So Crowley just jumped over the top rope, eliminated himself, which is a very Crowley thing to do. Uh, so it left Furio and Mitch Basher two on one against Robbie Lewis. Mitch Basher was then taken out of the ring by Robbie with a giant clothesline, which sent Basher backwards over the top rope. Furio and Lewis remained. And then when it looked hopeless for uh, Robbie Lewis, Furio came out with, um, with vigor. Robbie managed to sidestep him, chucked him over the top rope and uh, basically managed to be the winner of the Falling Star 
Freestyle Wrestling Christmas Bash Rumble, sending the fans into rupturous applause. A really good, feel-good moment. And I think people wanted to see Robbie win, and that was just, it was a really cool moment. And I, I was happy to see it. A lot of people standing up, clapping, screaming, shouting. And uh, yeah, just a really nice Christmas moment to, to send us off for the, uh, for the Christmas Bash that we had at West Lynn. Jim, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, um, you know, the, the trick with the Rumble is to, you know, about Royal like that is, um, is to pick a good Final Four um, and also pick a good winner that people care about. And with Robbie, because people recognise him as the MC, he just won Trainee of the Year. It's only going to do him good and his future good for Falling Star if he gets a bit of a rub from a few of the top heels in the in the company and you know it, it was done in such a way um and the guys were eliminated in such a way that it didn't hurt them but it, it gave robbie lewis such a huge huge boost not just in, in his wrestling career but just in his general confidence level as a human being i think and you're right like that pop was you know one of the biggest pops we've had at wrestling um and the crowd loved it it sent everyone home happy it had the right tone to it you know i I was in the ring with him sort of you know obviously raising his hand and you take a look around to see what how the crowd reacted to it and whatnot and there wasn't a single person who wasn't on their feet you know you know you got it right and um it was uh, it was a special moment for him, but it was a special moment for the fans, you know, because as wrestlers, we're all former, well, we, we all still are fans, but, you know, we were all people who used to watch wrestling in front of the TV or go to the odd show or whatever, but there's a few wrestlers that are coming through now, and, and Robbie Lewis is one of them, who came to the show for years, came to the Forward Star Wrestling shows for a long time, before he had finally had the the guts to the walk into our training academy and start training with us. Um, but when he decided to commit, um, he really committed. And time's gone on, a few years has gone on, and he's in that position with everyone standing on their feet chanting Robbie. You know, if you'd have asked him that a couple of years back, he wouldn't have believed it. But that's what persistence and hard work and actually betting on yourself and a good work ethic can do for you it can uh, make little dreams like that come true and there's no reason for saying we can't fuck that the same for everyone who walks through the fall news like wrestling door as i said in the paper article there's opportunities for everyone if you're willing to put the work in robbie has and he deserved that win uh, and he deserved that reaction it was a fitting end to a, a perfect Christmas wrestling show. Not a perfect wrestling show, but a perfect Christmas bash. And I think that we did a good job this year. And I can't wait till ne- next year's Christmas bash already. But in the meantime, Falling Star Wrestling has got another sort of 23 shows before that. Um, possibly more if we can sneak a few more in somewhere to entertain you with it next year. So for all the fans that came along this year, and to the Christmas batch, thank you. We'll always make sure we'll give you the best show we can with the best sound that we can find, homegrown or otherwise. We'll make 2022 the start of a new, a new decade for Falling Star Wrestling. 
And the new decade starts on January 8th, 2022 at the Westland Sports and Social Club. And we want to see you there. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. And of course, thank you to Jimmy for being an incredible co-host and tag team partner. If you want to find out more about Falling Star Wrestling, you can view images, watch videos, and interact with us over on our Facebook and or Instagram pages. It's at Falling Star Wrestling. You can find me there too, at PVC Pro Wrestler, and Jimmy can be found on Facebook, at Jimmy Star Wrestler. Like what you've heard today? Well, why not check out previous episodes of the Falling Star Wrestling podcast? The archive is available on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, to name a few. Whilst you're there, we would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a positive five-star review. It really helps the podcast grow and continue. All right, that is all we have time for today. We'll see you next time for another edition of the Falling Star Wrestling Podcast. See you later. Boom. Not one in the can.